Hello everyone, you're now listening to the Mind on Caffeine podcast. So in this episode, um, I wanted to do something a little bit more different. And uh, instead of just me ranting all over for, you know, 15, 20 minutes about um, why nothing makes sense and nothing means anything. Um, this, this week, I decided that I'll bring a guest on the show. And uh, we'll both go on rant about how nothing makes sense and nothing means anything. So this week's um, guest for the show is, um, I'm going to butcher this name. I feel like I'm going to butcher this name again, but I'm going to try to say it right. Uh, am I, but just jump in when, if I'm saying it wrong. Uh, so just check right no, now. I'm it's, testing you right now. Go ahead. It's Anaga, right? Good. You're saved. Thank All you right, so much great. for having me, by the way. That's great. It's great that you could join us. And uh, so we'll just jump right into the episode. Yeah, man. I mean, do you realize that we have casually discussed about this topic on so many occasions and now we are actually making a podcast about it? It's it's just really exciting for me. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, we've I think we've talked about this quite a bit. Uh, this is one show that I think is very close to your heart and also for me as well. Uh, you know, the comic, of course, is something one of the... I, I think, still think that it's one of the best comic book, uh, books ever written. For me, Watchmen is one of the most ambitious and the most confusing TV shows I've ever come across. Like, there are so many things and every person takes away something different from the show. No, that's very true. I think even in the comic book, it's pretty much the same thing because I think there's so many layers to the story that uh, it, there's always a different take for it. So, uh, just guys, spoilers ahead for the Watchmen comic, the Watchmen movie and the TV series. We're going to be pretty much talking about, I think, literally everything that is there. Uh, we're not going to lo- leave room for any kind of speculation for it. So just spoiler warning right here, right now. Okay, so with all the spoiler warnings given, I think I'll just start. Watchmen is a tale of costumed heroes who fight injustice in US, especially during the Cold War. And uh, these superheroes are not like your mainstream ones. They're regarded more as the outlaws than your actual superheroes, I'd say. The comic uh, series was the original one who was, which was created by Alan Moore. And then in 2009 was when the film adaptation was done. And now in 2019, we have your HBO show. All three of them are set in like an alternate reality where masked vigilantes take the laws into their own hands. So over the course of the story, you see how these uh, people and these superheroes lead to the changes in world history as we know it. Just to um, give a context about the history that was happening back then. The U.S. wins the Vietnam War and uh, President Nixon's Watergate scandal is never exposed because uh, um, he assigns one of the watchmen who is uh, supposed to kill Bob Woodward and this guy called Carl, I can't remember his second name, but these are the main whistleblowers of the event. And uh, Nixon also abolishes the term limit, so he's now the president uh, since uh, 1985, which is when the film is set. So um, now the TV series picks up like decades later where a white supremacist... I think it's about 30 years later into the right, show, right. I think, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I think it's about 30 years after the yeah. end of Watchmen. Right. And comic. that's where the TV series picks up, where like a white supremacy group who like, you know, dressed themselves up after the famous Watchmen member, Roshark, start attacking law enfo- enforcement officers and stuff. And also like for the people in New York, this is like three uh, decades, as you said, it... Uh, an alien squid attack was uh, passed where, you know, the half of the city was destroyed, creating a new era of peace between um, America and Russia after they unite against a common enemy, which was Dr. Manhattan, which is very surprising. So the movie and the show do have like a lot of elements in general. Uh, the events of the movies do play a very integral role in the TV show, but you don't necessarily need to follow the comic religiously to understand what's happening. You know, And I think that's the best part. Anyone without any context can get into the show. And um, 
unlike Zack Snyder's movie, uh, Watchmen, the show is not a true adaptation of the sequel of the comic book. In fact, Watchmen comic are very canon. So, I mean, Damon Lindelof, who created the TV show, opted to remix the graphic novel with a new premise that reflects America in its today's very fractured authoritarian glory. And I think it, it goes too political rather than, uh, you know, try to show whatever the Watchmen is. And in, in that sense, Watchmen is also aimed at a very American audience. And the intention was mainly to make the people a little bit uneasy about what's going on around them, you know, to like, it's, it's in a very satirical form, if I may say. And it is a story about America. It's about these self-proclaimed heroes fighting against a very intangible enemy who is almost impossible to defeat you know what i mean like in your in your 80s the enemies that they had back then was the threat of nuclear armageddon between the us and ussr and now in today in today's world's context uh, in 2019 the enemy is your country's camouflage history of uh, white supremacy so you can see that there's not one particular plot that's going on alongside you have so many other things there's this uh, like there are giant squids, there's an elephant, there are pigs, there's a catapult throwing clones on a moon, there's lube man, there's a meteor and magic eggs, blue dongs, <laughs> you have nostalgia pills and whatnot. Like, you know, along with these, there are also very heavy themes. No, and I think, see, that, I think that is something that comes with um, Alan Moore's writing and the entire story of Watchmen itself. There's, there's so many different layers and so many different characters in it. Like, for example, just coming back to the original Watchmen, which, you know, for me, which I consider to be the original work and mm-hmm. the work to look for, uh, you see that there are these so many different characters, like just how you were explaining that there are these characters that they are vigilantes that exist at that time. They're in no way really glorified. Uh, you clearly see that they're violent. They're all, they all have psychological issues. Yeah. They have moral dilemmas. There's a lot of problems that they have in their entire life. And it's clearly yeah. shown in the shows itself. Like just to take back um, everyone to give a bit of background at, as to the show itself, um, you know, in the comic books, there's these bunch of uh, vigilantes that are trying to protect the world at that time period. There's this one actual superpower being Dr. Manhattan. Uh, he's he's literally the only person in the entire series who has any kind of real superpowers, right? And uh, so this, this is the time where the Cold War was about to break off. Uh, nuclear technology was already advanced because Dr. Manhattan had brought in so much technology at that time. So, uh, Atita, what you just said, yeah, so Dr. Manhattan is the only one who has superpowers, you know, so the other ones don't really have superpowers, but they wear costumes, and they bravely, like, bravely fight crimes, even if they mean that they can, like, get mortally wounded. You know, I think bravely is a question, is a questionable thing there. I would consider them to be really, like, violent psychopaths rather than anyone who's fighting bravely. I mean, Rorschach, yes, he had a certain ideology to things, but then if you really think about the other characters, is there really any kind of uh, sense to the madness that they really create? Absolutely not. I think that stems from the experiences and the root or trauma that they come through. So the Watchmen comic itself, you know, the entire story, it revolves around these bunch of uh, vigilantes that are here and one actual superpower being who is Dr. Manhattan. Uh, so during this is right at the time of the Cold War, uh, the entire world is facing a nuclear Armageddon. So there's one character called Ozymandias decides that he wants to unite the entire world against this one common threat so that they can all come together instead of fighting each other. So what he does is he creates this kind of uh, a portal to a different dimension and he summons this massive squid uh, that just destroys the entirety of New York and he blames all of this and a bunch of other incidents. I mean, he gives people cancer willy-nilly and he blames it all on Dr. Manhattan. So at the end of the day, he 
brings out to the world that okay this squid came because of dr manhattan's existence yeah. so his that is why there what his mastermind plot was to subvert nuclear war by attacking first okay he nukes all the superpowers city centers using weapons designed to look like dr manhattan's radioactive signature and these attacks like force society to reevaluate themselves and come together like you know as in there's a much bigger threat which is larger than mankind which is dr manhattan so he just tries to put it all over manhattan and the world turns completely against him and the plan succeeds as well for some reason yeah i mean the plan succeeds but you know at the end of the show you do see that ozymandias doesn't really get the credit for what he does right. um, and i think that is a fitting punishment for him because for him he wanted to actually be the one who saves the Save world the- but at the end of the day he does end up saving the world in a way uh, i mean he kills a million people to save billions but at the end of the day nobody knows his deeds i mean nobody knows that dr uh, ozymandias right. did this and you see that clearly in the tv series where people think that ozymandias has just dis- you know he's just gone right. that right. nobody really cares about him anymore yeah exactly and in the end he even accepts that when when the seventh cavalry decides to arrest him for the squid fall that he creates he simply accepts it because he's like okay finally i'm going to get recognized at least like you know all the all my life i've done something so people would accredit me for what i'm doing and they still haven't so he's like okay even if it's a bad way now i just accept it i have no other choice Yeah that's true. Okay and just you know when we think about the watchman itself the be it the series be it the movie or be it the comic book um i think all of this is in a way a form of satire towards what currently exists what we think to be a uh, good bad or perceived to be as a good characteristic or a bad characteristic it is always a mockery of these kind of things even in the comic book you see that these characters are hyper violent uh they you know they're deviant they do not really care about about a lot of things they do whatever they please it it goes against this established idea of superheroes that you have and you clearly see that in the movie as well and you know in the tv series again it's it's clearly described that these people are just purely violent they would disregard people's rights uh, i mean in the series you see that they bring this guy in for inter- interrogation and he asks that like can i see my lawyer and the first thing he responds is we don't really have to do that mm-hmm. which is a basic human right as we know of that like if you are arrested for something you you need to know why you are arrested for something or that you know you need a lawyer to represent you that's that's a very interesting take in fact i wasn't aware of that before you said it i mean nowadays don't you think like okay first of all thanks to all the directors like zack and damon and all they've taken like quite a few liberties in making these films according to the own you know cutting edge it's not like your common marvel dc movies which are like taken across gotham or metropolis or whatever like you know comic superheroes tend to be very urban but moors and gibbons cobbic are largely located in like the tv show in fact has taken place in Oklahoma which is a very sleepy suburb as i would say and the inspiration of these masked vigilantes is like less of a more less of batman and superman and it's more of a lone ranger or your kkk you know it's it's more like a knife edge and it's it's more humane for that matter it's spiraling into lynchings and shootouts and stuff which is what makes it more um relatable as i would say because if you if you see there's this current trend that's happening right now in the marvel dc uh, series like you know the dark superheroes movies or your amazons or uh, cynical show the boys we have like a range of nuanced superheroes that are coming up because back in the 80s i remember having this conversation with you aditya we were discussing about how superheroes were all like these condescending goody two shoes even as a 
Oh yeah, that's very true. See, I think that greatly plays into the fact that uh, comic books were heavily regulated when during those times, you know, in the 60s and 70s, uh, the comic book authority clearly stated that what is right and what is wrong, good has to always triumph over evil and evil had to be in a certain way portrayed as always. So, you know, uh, the the writers, I would say, did not really have too much of a liberty to do what they really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that hypocrisy, it, it still kept going on. And even in today's comic books and today's comic series is, Yes, of course, you know, as you said, there are a lot of things where um, they do break this um, idea of fixed good and evil. Um, you know, the rest of the shows, they still follow the same methodology because I think, to be honest, it is something that is tried and tested and it works. So people don't want to take Absolutely, any risk. But how much could you identify with it, man? As a as a kid, honestly, I was bored with like the usual antics of these superheroes. Like I knew what was coming forward. I knew they were going to save it. Like, you know, if you see Superman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, I did not identify with what these comics meant except for the fact that they were morally correct there was nothing else that i could feel you know like good or connected about what piqued my interest towards watchman was that it just is not an escape from the confines of your usual uh, goody like movies or shows but like it's one in which like the humanity is like sick of superheroes or you know it's it's also trying to explain how complex or misunderstood your superhero universe is or even humans are in general and you know in in, in watchman world the humanities are in fact sick of uh, superhero and uh, they're quietly like even the superheroes are pretty fed up with uh, humans in general because they realize that they're pretty ungrateful and they've never thanked them for like doing what they do and stuff that's that's what you know makes watchmen stand out from the entire genre yeah that's very true see i think what watchmen does uh, to be put very simply is that it it kind of tells us that there is nothing that is black and white um, and that yes sometimes black and white does exist but then there's always this gray area right and the gray area is always massive right i mean in in the start you just feel like watchmen is like a grittier version of a superhero film like you know it's filled with anti-heroes sex violence and you know it 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 tells that humanity is not as perfect the work portrays itself as like a critique of superhero romanticism but more and more as you watch it you realize how raw and how connected you feel towards it you know like every time i watch the film every time i watch the show there's something or the else that i take away from it always something new and i'm always awestruck at it you know there's always something that you take away from it that's the best part I think that idea that you just mentioned that you know every time you watch it that you get a different um, idea from it or you'd get a different take from it I think all of that just boils down to the fact of how the watchman is structured uh, even in the comic uh, I mean in the comic uh, you see that the, the show the the series it's primarily about um, uh, it's an ethics question it just questions which moral system is right and should you be aligned to just one moral system and i think that is what the entire show is primarily based on it is just a clash of morals that's very interesting could you elaborate further on that so you see each and every character in the watchmen itself you know be it however bleak dark and idiotic they might be each of them represents a different moral right. idea um, you have ozymandias who is a consequentialist you have uh, dr manhattan who is a materialist mm-hmm. you have the comedian who is an absurdist you have you know rorschach who is a deontologist so you know each of these characters represent a different moral idea Absolutely. and uh, a different framework at the end of the day and what they do is i think in the entire series itself you see these clashes of different moral ideas mm-hmm. and these different clashes is it it i think every time you watch it maybe you see something different about it 
uh, maybe you you associate yourself with a different idea every time you watch Absolutely. watch it there are so many curveballs throughout the show like you you see this particular person and you're completely following you think he's a great person and whatever he's doing you're following that you agree with it and all of a sudden he ends up doing something very inhuman Oh that's very true. I mean see uh when when I first saw the comedian in the uh comic book I kept thinking oh my god this guy is a badass. I mean he looks cool. Uh you know he gets shit done but at the end of the day the show immediately tells you oh you think he's a nice character? He's a rapist by the way. And the same goes with Roshark as well. You can't really distinguish these people as good or bad, you know for that matter. Like you always have this Roshark in fact had a very traumatic childhood that led him into what he is doing right now he thinks that every wrong doing deserves a death sentence he feels very lightly that's that's the mindset that he develops you know he is foolishly equating imperfection to evil so for him he's like he can murder a pedophile the same way as he can also murder a common shoplifter his morality has like completely shifted although he is doing it for the extreme favor of doing good to the world but it also tries to tell you how dangerous it can be to have extreme views whether it is a good view or a bad view see i think that boils down at the end of the day as i said before you know roshak is the perfect representation of a deontologist because as a deontologist you would believe that um you know the ends and means of whatever actions you're taking do not hold any value uh and you should purely be judged on your actions only you know be it your action could be something outrageously stupid but even if something really good comes out of it it doesn't matter because your action is that vile and evil you need to be punished for something even though you're causing something good and i think that is you know the entire character drive itself as you said to roshak it doesn't matter if you're a common shoplifter or if you're a rapist right you both deserve to be uh, you know punished and you both deserve the same level of punishment right, right. and you know in fact all the uh, characters in the show are nihilist except uh, silk specter and one more but you see like the entire show is trying to cover the rise of how nihilism comes into the picture what are these thoughts that are leading into nihilism what actions and consequences does it have you know whether it contains like a lot of socio political commentary or you know it's it's not the best portrayed it can be confusing but it still tackles that question and it's a very beautiful transition every so you see like manhattan you see comedian you see your uh, roshark as well all three of them are nihilist but they have their own different stories you know they have their own different perspective to what justice is what nihilism is or what you know just in general what morality means to them i mean i agree with that to a certain extent because you know uh, in a way the way i see it uh rorschach i wouldn't really call him to be a full on nihilist because there there's so many things about his characteristics that he really has a purpose you know he believes in something that is higher uh he believes that his life has a purpose and that is to you know deliver justice so you know to be honest i don't really think he is a nihilist uh but when it comes to the comedian yes you know i mean he is the perfect example of an absurdist and absurdist and a nihilist because to him it doesn't matter whatever he's doing he's not going to get punished for it that is what is in his head and he understands that whatever he does it's all trivial it doesn't matter i can do whatever i want and i'm not going to get affected or judged by any of it right see but then the thing is again like as as you said it's a very good point like you see how different the what i was trying to say is how different the both uh, point of view is you know the the point of view of why they started doing what they are doing right now for in fact now that you've said about comedian and roshak dr manhattan exhibits a whole different kind of nihilism to both of them he takes the option of just distancing himself from human affairs and you know in in such a way that he's not required to make the choices that the way a comedian or roshak might do it's clear because 
he does not make the choice at all he simply just chooses to stop playing the game manhattan never involves himself he never gets into the point of justice as roshar kaur the comedian does at least he did in the beginning but he did not later you know i think like the way you mentioned the, uh, dr manhattan i think it's good to point out you know uh, i think the the way dr manhattan is and his power itself i think it greatly plays into his characteristics and i would say his moral structure if something like that exists uh but you know he sees uh, he he's a quantum being so you know i'm going to get a little bit uh, physics nerdy here uh but in the comics i think even in the entire type of comics that you have dr manhattan would be the most probable superhero like he is by the laws of physics he is something that could exist if certain conditions were right yeah. like for example he uh, you know he sees time in a very different way than we all do uh, but that is clearly explained in the series that uh, you know he gets into an in- intrinsic field subtractor okay. which kind of takes away his electromagnetic field his uh, strong nuclear force and weak nuclear force so these are the f- these are parts of the four fundamental forces the only other force that he is has in control of is gravity so the rest of it he can pretty much you know remove his body to the subatomic level and rejoin it back that's how much control over you know matter that he has mm-hmm. so because of that he experiences time in a much different way than we would have uh, you know you and me would experience time for us yes time you know it, it is a linear pa- fashion we go we cannot go back to the past we cannot go into the future nor do we know what's going to happen in the future nor can we change anything in our past but when it comes to dr manhattan it's completely opposite to the, to that you know for him uh, the past present and future happen simultaneously so it's it is all happening at the same time all is past all is present all is future it is happening at the same time you know like how do you cope with something like that right with that all being said with a being as powerful as dr manhattan you know to to me if if god a character called god was supposed to exist i think the closest being uh that is to that would be dr manhattan and i i would think that god as a character would definitely you know think like dr manhattan because you know dr manhattan i feel that he doesn't really fall into or embody any ethical system that we really know of like nor be it deontology be it uh, nihilism or be it you know be it a consequentialism or whatever he does not fall into any of these systems you know because simply put morality does not affect him he exists outside of any timeline he cannot be judged first of all he cannot he cannot be punished so to him i think morals don't even mean anything see he i i kind of feel that it did mean a lot to him in the starting but then he grows wary of it if you if you remember he wasn't as bleak as you would have considered him as he was in the start i mean as he as you see him progressing towards the plot you know because after a point he just he's just done with it you know can you imagine just suddenly getting like a very omnipotent power in you all of a sudden and just losing your human form that just changes a lot of perspectives to him right i mean as you said that he can see a lot of he, he is in different timelines altogether as well he can also see people grow older he can see people kill he can see wars being fought and lives being destroyed and without the ability to you know go and of course he can change a lot of things but he cannot change human nature that's one thing he cannot change so without the ability to change that without the ability to die without the ability to age he starts questioning a lot of things which is why he starts to become as very or as involuntarily into the picture as he would have been No I think see the way as you said it uh, in the beginning he does care because you know Dr Manhattan was something that was not just made he didn't just start to exist I mean he was a human before right so he had all of these memories as a human he as a human I think we are all thought to care of other human life 
And I think that's something that is, you know, existing in any kind of moral system. We're all taught to care mm-hmm. for someone else. Right. So when Dr. Manhattan becomes who he is, it takes him a while to get into the fact that to him, none of this is ever going to matter because all of it at the end of the day, no matter what changes, he is going to be the constant. So, you know, it, it's clearly mentioned, you know, the, the way he does this quote, I think, uh, I think this is how he says it. Uh, a live body and a dead body contain the same number of particles. Right. Structurally, there's no discernible difference. So life and death are, you know, unquantifiably abstract. Right. So why should I be concerned? I mean, which, for him, which I think that is the shift where you see that he goes from being uh, Osterman to Dr. Manhattan. Right. He goes from that human being to something that is godly. Right. And he also like goes, he reflects a very existential angst, which is felt by a human, you know, because he has transcended humanity and he no longer needs to fear death. He deals with this, you know, he, he deals with this newfound discovery that he can do anything he wants to do. And he knows everything. He's aware of all the timelines. He knows when he's going to die. He knows what's going to happen the next. He's living in different timelines. He's seeing a squid fall happening. He's watching himself die at the same time. He's watching himself being the watchmaker. He's watching himself create Europa at the same time. What this does is he's, you know, a sense of purpose is lost because he's not able to see what is the point of all this is because he's losing the sense of wonder you know when you don't know when you don't anticipate what is going on when you know everything that's happening around you that's what happens he is tired and weary of just seeing a lot of things and not being able to like you know actually experience it when they're usually happening you know what i mean yeah no i completely understand that and i think that greatly plays into his characteristics as well because you know a being as powerful as him in a universe where there are nothing uh, in a universe where you know no real being can actually match up to him you you would expect that like you would expect that he would lose purpose like he doesn't even have an enemy to actually fight with i mean in the in the series yes there is adrian white you know a, a complete genius that does in a way try to come up close to be something that is a, an enemy to dr manhattan but you know at the end of the day none of his plans are really you know it didn't work right, right? The, the squid fell because dr manhattan felt that you know it should fall right. Because if he wanted to stop it, I don't think he would have said that, okay, I'm not going to go stop it. I'm, I, he could definitely stop all of that from happening. And he's so the interesting a- fact, White was the one who even affirmed the world that there is something as a god. Although like White reveals uh, because of the squid fall and he tries to say that, you know, Dr. Manhattan is does like the god reincarnate and new kind of messiah who saves others and stuff. And, you know, he's trying to say that God is very much alive and he's a giant blue man. But whereas at this point, Dr. Manhattan is pretty much fed up with the meaningless bickering that's happening in the mankind, you know. So he just leaves Earth for the sterility of the heavens where White can reassure the people on Earth that he is watching, like Manhattan is watching over them very carefully. But again, like he has established this father figure that has been restored into culture in this nihilistic society. But in the truth, the entire reestablishment that God exists was a great lie. Yeah, th- that's very true. See, I think when it com- when we come back to White and then, you know, we're talking about these different moral dilemmas and these different moral ideas that are being clashed. You know, we started talking about Rorschach who, who sees the world as black and white. Right. Then we saw the, the comedian, you know, he just simply doesn't give a fuck. Uh, then we have uh, Dr. Manhattan who's again also someone who doesn't really care about anything else but it, for a different reason. Right. I mean, he, he doesn't, it, it's not about absurdity or whatnot. He just exists outside of any humanity for him. Nothing makes sense. See, the world 
so then this entire novel is pretty much chaotic and godless right so when you said they don't give a fuck like what does that mean are you trying to say that the power the amount of power the amount of influence they have to create a change has made them numb with what is happening around them Yeah. Yeah. So, see, that's exactly what you see with Adrian White because White, um, you know, he doesn't see the world as black and white. He sees it as gray. Uh, that's what. Yeah. That's where he is. He just sees it as some areas are darker, some areas are lighter, but it's all gray. There's no black and white. There's no exact good. There's no exact evil. Mm-hmm. It's always okay to do certain evil things if you're getting a good uh, outcome out of it. So he just looks for the most lightest gray paths to you know to that. But I think where he fails also is that. he does he underestimates the fact that it's only him that thinks this way it's not that everyone thinks that way so not everyone is going to be able to sacrifice their own well-being i mean white was ready to die for the sake of humanity okay. but not everyone is going to be ready to do that right like you or me uh, i'm not going to be ready to say, uh, die just to you know give something good for humanity would you be willing to die just so that like something really good can happen to humanity <laughs> i can't think of it mostly no Exactly, like we would, we would definitely have to think of it. But White, as a person, you know, he he in his head, it was ready. Like if I had to die for the good of humanity, I will do it. Right. See, so he had a conviction. But the point that I was coming to is what power does to you. You know, do you think that power has made them numb? Whatever is gonna happen is gonna happen because of them. For that matter, um, Ozzy Mandis started doing very extreme things in order to create meaning. When he got stuck in Europe, he started catapulting dead people. He was killing aimlessly for greater good. and what what was this what was the showing that they had so much power that they actually became numb to their own moral values well i think see power i see it in a little bit of a different way yes i do get it that the way you said it that power kind of gets to you and uh, but i see it in a little bit different way uh, because you see that clearly in the series as well which i'll come to uh, but i think what power uh, what they talk about power in at least the watchman itself is that power kind of gives you the authority to do whatever you want and escape away from judgment which is what the comedian did i mean he was a rapist mm-hmm. uh no he was not punished he's a war criminal technically if he was doing that right now he would be in jail as a war criminal mm-hmm. uh but you know i think that's what it is because even in the tv series during the trial of adrian white you know uh, the the judge just simply says that you know he adrian white comes up and says that you know you're not qualified to judge me these people are not my peers because he truly believes in his head that because of the power he used to wield mm-hmm. that he is something much superior than all of these clones Absolutely. but then the judge immediately opens the door there's a bunch of pigs that are coming in and then he says that this is your jury of peers mm-hmm. because to them he, adrian white is something that is much less okay. adrian white could be could have done whatever he wanted to do and he could have caused so much destruction he could have done you know the world a greater good right. but at the end of the day it does not make any sense because nobody knows that Adrian White did it everyone still blames dr manhattan for it nobody knows that he saved the humanity in any way right. so he doesn't deserve to be judged by these people mm-hmm. you know that's a very interesting take in fact i wasn't aware of this till the time you pointed it out to me you know the way the way you've thought about this uh, so you know with all that being said you know these different moral uh, ideas that clash in the series and uh, you know the different depictions that they have of these different moralities So I think it it's it at the end of the day boils to what we are going to take out of it. So before I come to what I am going to take out of this and what I would like to leave before um you know leave to the, to my audience before I go out I'd like to know what you think of this. Oh sure. Um 
see this is this is the most wonderful part okay i'm certainly not a nihilist as you are or as any other uh, anyone else who is listening to this but i still have so many things that have inspired me or that i take away from this story the deconstruction of the troops or you know the function of this entire text it's you, you can interrogate on it on your own you can reflect on your own it you have to ask yourself questions like what are you looking for what you know what are the patterns that you see or what ideas or values do you see in these characters no matter how morally wrong or morally right do you resonate with because i feel that if i was in roshar's place i would have probably done the same thing with what he had gone through if i would have gone through the same thing maybe i would have done the same thing if i was in dr manhattan's place i would have done the same thing so this is what great art forms addresses you know this is how great forms of art address the problems of nihilism these are what great forms of art do to people they are not trying to push a certain ending to you they're not trying to tell you like this is a definite meaning that you're supposed to take away from it it's not trying to teach you it's not going to shove it in your face by telling this is what life means but it's trying to like creatively represent how complex the issue is or by trying to give you the space to think it's given you everything it's given you the plot and it's now giving you the space to think to draw your own conclusions and watchman does it very beautifully it you know it it does what every good myths do they tell the story that help us make sense of the world and that is what it does to me as well watchman for that matter gives me a sense of purpose although many people think there is no hope attached to it or whatever but i do see a good amount of hope because uh, as compared to the movie and the show the show is a little bit more on the optimistic perspe- uh, perspective it talks a little bit about um, justice although these people are you know they they have gone they are in the within this very dark space they are still trying to have this uh, entire progressive journey of hope and healing they are trying to seek justice although they have gone through a good amount of injustice there's a there's this egg which has been symbolized as in the movie they used to symbolize the smiley mask or whatever but uh, the egg in the story uh, represents rebirth or your entire life or just you know it's it's just bringing hope to the entire planet altogether and that for me I I choose to take it this way you know I I choose to take it as a very optimistic uh, in a, in a very optimistic point of view I don't know about you you know and just like I said it yesterday your optimism is sometimes very sickly uh, for me okay you know see the, I think the way I see it or uh, what Alan Moore tried to do or uh, the the idea and the structure behind Watchmen is to simply to show us that there is no one absolute moral system and that you have uh, you know that you don't have to really subscribe to any of this just one of these systems uh it tells us that you know it just ignore everyone else who says that you have to be you know you have to fit into this particular moral structure because you know we live in a postmodern world where there is no longer any need for religion or superstitions right and it is redundant at this point and that is why you know nietzsche said god is dead uh because of course you know he didn't re- literally mean that god as an entity who is alive is not there anymore we killed him right that's how he blamed it god is dead we killed him Ah, yeah true uh, but you know but again that's what i was coming to is because uh, nietzsche does, didn't really mean that god was an existing entity what he meant was kind of uh, rather you know that the died is a power of belief that had in it you know the the belief that came from this existence of god the purpose that people derive from the existence of this entity called god or you know the moral idea that people were deriving from this entity uh, that is what nietzsche meant, meant by when he said god is dead you know as science explains more and more of the natural world including you know especially the origin of the world the development of life the room for having something like god it just kind of goes away it starts dwindling 
and the idea of you know a personal caring god who takes an interest in the affair of humanity is simply no longer as compelling as it once was right the death of god leaves you know at, at the end of the day a void in the realm of morality uh, and values for a lot of people and we a lot of people at the end of the day are going to say that you know i no longer have a source of objective moral value or of order and purpose in this world which is true i mean life at some time can be really depressing and outright uh, you know absurd and we need to just at this point there's no grander meaning to soothe us into the fact that there is no meaning for all of this and you know i think the take that i take away from this is that it is up to us to fill this void by ourselves and that is what the watchman tries to tell us is that you're not going to get your sense of meaning from anywhere else you don't have to stick to one moral idea as you said you know you take every time you watch the series there's something different you take out of it right so i think that is the idea there it's always an amalgamation of things and it is up to us to find meaning for our existence so i think that's all for this episode and we'll let you guys decide uh, you know what you want to take away from this uh, so i think you know at the end of this episode uh, i would just leave it up to you guys to understand what you want to take away from the watchman what you want to take away from this episode and you know we'll catch you guys again uh, probably in the coming weeks with another exciting episode about you know studio ghibli movies and i think i'm a little bit more excited for that one exactly man i'm super excited for that until we see you next time guys thank you for listening bye.